Hey everyone, welcome to the Product Startup Podcast, a podcast that helps bring your product idea to life by chatting with successful inventors, product designers, and other industry professionals. This podcast is run by Macro Design and Invent and hosted by Philip Belecha. Our goal here is to get to the bottom of what makes a product successful, from initial idea to putting your product on the shelf. We're taking you step-by-step step to build a functional product and scale your product business. Now onto the show. If you were to go tell your customers today that you were going to close your business, how are they going to react? Right. Yeah, I, I would imagine most people will say, oh, well, I'll just move to the next commodity item. That's right. And if that is the answer, where is the connection? The Product Startup Podcast, Episode 20. Welcome to the Product Startup Podcast, helping you turn ideas into successful products step by step with your host, Philip Valitza. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Product Startup Podcast. In the last episode, we talked with Susanna Stewart and Carol Mena of Fro Butter, a popular line of organic hair care products that promote optimal hair health, especially for curly textures. We talk about how they differentiate Fro Butter from competitors in such a crowded business category. So make sure to check out episode 19 if you haven't heard it already. Also, before we get started, I wanted to highlight one reviewer, E. Barbaric, on iTunes, who wrote, with the most popular entrepreneurship podcast, you get a pretty standard selection of guests. And oddly enough, sometimes you'll hear the same person on a few different shows at the same time. What I like about the product startup is that the interviews are not with the usual suspects. You get a great selection of industries, entrepreneurs, and founders who are not interviewed anywhere else. Thank you, eBarbaric, for your feedback. Totally agree with you. I look for guests that haven't been in other places before uh, because I find that more interesting to get a unique perspective, especially from people that have done it from the ground up that, you know, self-made entrepreneur, so to speak. So I really appreciate everyone's comments for writing in. Please continue to do so and give me valuable feedback. It's certainly something that I use to make the show better for everybody. And now on to today's episode. I'm joined by Matt Rudlinger, the founder of the marketing firm Triple R Marketing. He's a successful serial entrepreneur, and for years, Matt gave his clients Jones caramels on their birthdays. Clients loved the personal touch of receiving these caramels, and they quickly became a key part of his business. When Matt got word that the store was closing, he took over as the new owner. And so we'll get to talk a little bit about marketing as well as taking over an existing product-based business. So let's get started. Hi, Matt. Thanks for coming on the show today. Hey, happy to be here. So you have a really varied background, and I hope that we're going to get a chance to touch on everything. Not only do you run your own marketing firm, but you also have a physical product-based business and are a partner in an app. So without having a 10-minute intro just to hit on everything, can you tie all three a little bit together and, and how they relate to you? Yeah, so the the marketing business is where we started in 2005 doing uh, the web design, promo products, and uh, social oh, the consulting. Social media has been more of a big thing here recently, obviously. Um, the, car, the Carmel business we acquired just this year, we used to use the Carmels um, for giving our clients a little gift on their birthday just to, you know, thank them. Um, the lady that... Owned the business was uh, getting ready to close the doors, and uh, out of a to, to make this quick, uh, we couldn't find anything to replace how we worked with her and something that's good. So we ended up buying the business. Uh, so that's kind of how we acquired the the Carmel business. And as far as the app goes, that's been a project that's been going on for the last three or four years. Um, out of, out of the uh, out of the fact that I'm a very impatient person when it comes, I don't like to wait. And so uh, <laughs> that's kind of how that developed, and I uh, reached out to some pretty you know good partners to um, get that to the market. Awesome. So I hope to hit on all of those. This is definitely one of those shows where we could talk for hours on any one of these topics. But why don't we start with the caramels, because that sounds really interesting. You were doing some work and were using the caramels for lead generation or for, as a thank you favors for your existing customers. And for whatever reason, the company wasn't doing that well, and it, it threatened to kind of upset that. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, so one of the big things that we work with with our clients is creating customer experiences because if there's nothing that you're doing different than other businesses, then it's, there's nothing there to, you know, 
knock out the competition, if you will. So we've always strived on getting to know our clients on a more personal level, become friends with them, if you will. And, and we always like to send them out caramels on their birthdays just to thank as a thank you for, you know, doing business with us. And, uh, you know, we, it's something we've done for years. And the lady that owned the business actually was getting ready to retire. Um, and she was a friend to the family and still is. She was going to retire and her husband um, retiring as well. And they got grandbabies. So she was going to shut the doors. And it's been such a really important part of our business. And she was so easy to work with. Like we would share a document, a Google Doc. And I, we just, I would just load the birthdays on there. And she would just automatically send them out. So it was really nice. You know, we I've got hundreds of messages from from um, our friends and, and our clients thanking, thanking us for remembering them on their birthday. And so she made this process really simple and made us look like superheroes. Um, so when she said that she was going to shut her doors, I mean, I like, I like 25 pounds of caramels on the spot. Wow. <laughs> yeah, because I was like, okay, we got to do something. And then so I spent a couple months trying to find some something as good and as easy to work with as Joan. And we just I didn't find anything around here. And so decided, uh, talking to, with my wife, we decided to buy the business. And so now we're taking the experience that we provide to our customers and help other businesses do that same thing by, um, you know, creating a program to reach out to clients, um, you know, on some special days or special occasions and send them, you know, like uh, the caramels in a branded a candy jar or tumbler or something like that that has their logo on it. Wow. So, and you made it sound so easy. Well, we just decided to buy the business and poof, right? We, we had the business. <laughs> um, what, what kind of, what kind of things went on when, when you guys were buying it? Like, did you like sit down and have this conversation to say, gosh, can we make this uh, profitable or is this just going to be a marketing arm to the business or like, can you go through your thought processes a bit? Well, it, it is a good marriage with the promotional products. So it gave, it gave us a unique um, aspect that we can offer to businesses. So we've already, you know, having that relationship with businesses prior um, with doing the marketing, like I said, and the promo products, adding the caramels to it was just an additional, it was an extra layer, if you will, mm -hmm. um, to kind of separate us from other pr uh, companies that do promo products. And it also helps with our consulting side so that we're not just selling a product. We're, we're, we're helping you learn how to use it in a way to strengthen your relationships with your customers. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So when you looked at, I guess, making the, the dollars and cents of it all, did you see how much you were spending on some of these promotional products and just say, look, the, the finances justify it? Or was it kind of a, a stretch goal where you said, you know, it's really expensive now, but we have this larger goal within the company, and I think it's going to kind of fit in really well with that as we grow? It was twofold. There, there, the one side of it was the product side. Just like, you know, we like, okay, we are, we're already selling these promotional products. Here's a great adder that we can provide, you know, um, with it into where we will warehouse the products for the customers and then – we can ship out the caramels with their branded logo on it with fresh caramels because there's no preservatives in them. Mm -hmm. um, so we thought, man, this is something really unique and that nobody's doing. So that was kind of our edge is that, okay, we think that we can tackle the market because nobody's doing it. Um, so that was kind of our edge with that. And then the other side of it was, it, it was really interesting that when Joan came to me and was telling me about how she was going to close her business and I couldn't find something to replace what she's done for us. Mm. So now the question on the consulting side. Yeah. How many other people are having that experience? That's right. What, you know, if you were to go tell your customers today that you were going to close your business, how are they going to react? Right. Yeah. I, I would imagine most people will say, oh, well, I'll just move to the next commodity item. That's right. And if that is the answer, where is the connection? Oh, it's almost lunchtime here, and I'm looking through the uh, Jones Carmel's website, and I'm getting really hungry. So I'm going to have to switch the page. And when you said that you bought 25 pounds of caramel, that's like 500 pieces of caramel. 
it's a lot. Yeah, and that was going to get us by for a little while, and that was just like just kind of out of panic. So, uh, so yeah, it's uh, and they're deli- I'm the taste tester, just so you know. <laughs> Not only the president, but a client, right? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about how that transition was? That now you were running a marketing company, and in a way, were you responsible for running the second company as well, or did Joan stay on as a silent manager? Um, so it, we, it was a process. We own it, and she consulted with us in the beginning to teach um, – my wife actually makes the caramels uh, – to teach her how to make them mm-hmm. and just to kind of learn how she was doing things. And we kind of – we've kind of taken everything to a different level. She used to have a storefront here in town, and we took everything to online and more working with on the corporate level. Uh, we also now work with a lot of wineries. Here in around the state, which we'll we'll looking to expand on that here soon. But we take the wine and they they cook it down and mix it in the caramel for that specific winery. So that winery can sell a caramel with their wine in it. They take oh, the wine that's and, awesome. and they infuse it in there. And that has really exploded. Because again, it's something unique. Right. Something different than nobody's doing. And uh, you know, I think that's key to any business is that if you're in business, what is it that you're doing that's different? And you use that, and that's your focus, and that's your drive, and that's your marketing. And uh, that's really turning out to be something big, though, on the caramel side, the the caramel making, the wine in the caramels. That's really exciting. Actually, I'd, I'd love to taste that. It'd, it'd be interesting uh, flavor. There's uh, some wineries here in Texas that are really close by within driving distance, and you could do tours here. And I know they'll pair them with olive oil tastings and some of this other stuff that's growing in popularity, but I don't think I've ever seen a wine cooked down and incorporated into anything else. Yeah, and they're they're really good. You I mean, until you taste it, you really don't know how good they are. They just did some last week that was a, a raspberry and a blueberry wine, and they were delicious. I mean, really wow. good. Yeah. How did you come up with the idea for that? Uh, well, they already had one winery as a client uh, mm-hmm. here in town, and they used a Merlot caramel mm-hmm. or Merlot mm-hmm. wine. And they used to do the process where they would take the caramel, then they would dip it into the chocolate and then box them up. And we found out that as we went back and did a cost analysis on them that we had adjusted pricing and it was a little more than what they really wanted to spend. So we came back with a different formula, if you will, on how we made the caramels and and it kept the cost down. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we decided to take that and uh, reach out to other wineries as well and see if there was interest And the the reply and the, the feedback and they're just open. They're just like open arms. Like, yes, we want something. This is great. It's, it's unique to us. And, right. and something delicious too. So it's a, it's a win-win. Like you said, it's a win-win for both companies, right? Because now the wineries are tapping into a market that they maybe weren't in a snack market, right? Or I don't know, that's a poor characterization of your industry, but <laughs> it's not necessarily a market that they were in before. When someone says wine, you don't think of a, a treat, you know, a bite-sized something that you can have on the go. So that's really exciting for them as well. And for you guys, because that's that's completely outside of what you're doing. Are you still selling in the retail and person to person, or is it mainly online now? It's it's online and through um, business connections. You know, where we're working with businesses through the marketing side of it. So sure. there's no retail store now. We have we have um, a retail location. Uh, we have someone who's wholesaling them, and mm-hmm. we actually just picked up with the Lucky's Market here in Bloomington as well. In the next few weeks, they'll start carrying our caramels as well. So we're nice. working on some retail locations as well, but you know, um, just do wholesale distribution. Nice. Congratulations on that. Uh, are you getting any type of a bump because it's local and people want to buy local and support local businesses? Oh, so we, yeah, we have a lot of local, but it's amazing how many we've sell, we sell um, outside to other areas in, in, in Texas, then we down to Florida, you name it, we we ship all over the the U.S. and building the SEO side of our website is a big push that we've got. You know that we're starting to work on now, mm-hmm. uh, starting to kind of push that awareness more, uh, especially now because the holiday time is a big time for candy industry. So yeah, absolutely, you get gift baskets and all sorts of things that you can buy in advance. Right. You mentioned the corporate program, and I think that's one of the things that people overlook a lot. I had a buddy that I used to work with, and on the side, he made some custom calls like for hunting, 
like duck calls and deer calls and things like that. He gave a couple away for a, and we have a pretty large company, so it was like a corporate United Way fundraiser. And the executives in the company ended up buying them to give away to some of their hunting buddies. And that really led to some extra business. Yeah, I think absolutely. Anytime that you can, I mean, I'm not saying you shower everybody with gifts, but, you know, it isn't just strengthening relationships with the people that you're working with and reaching out to them outside of an area of, of when you need them to, you're wanting to buy you're wanting them to buy something or they need to, to buy something if you can connect with them outside of those parameters you're building mm-hmm. a relationship um, you know I don't think we're b2 b or b to c anymore we're, we're people to we're p to p we're people to people <laughs> I mean we are because yeah. social media has made us that way and I think it's key to have that mindset and you know why are that you know why are people doing business with you? Well, I definitely want to get into social media, but I'm, you know, the the product side of me really wants to finish up with Jones Carmels here. <laughs> I'll send you some. Now you said it on the air, so now, <laughs> now it's a now yeah. it's a promise. <laughs> so your wife runs this part of the business. Does she have any help to pack orders or to create inventory and and do customer service or anything like that? So, so uh, as far as packing goes and the wrapping, um, our kids and then their friends, we've. Uh, got a bunch of teenagers that rap the yes so, indentured servitude that's right <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome yeah so it's, it's really good um they like it and uh, we we do everything out of a commercial kitchen and you know it's, it's it's actually a really fun business because not only is it you know generating sales but it's become a family business as well and uh you know it's kind of neat to show them what goes into operating a business like really understanding what your cost is you know when you take the mm-hmm. cost of renting the commercial kitchen to paying them and the, the cost of the wrappers and the ingredients mm-hmm. and figuring all that out so it's been really fun um, and a good lesson as well i am a dad my daughter is 16 months now so a bit too young to get started wrapping things but <laughs> i definitely want her to grow up with the same work ethic that i grew up with and understanding the business side of things um, so that, you know, maybe we'll have you on another show when your, uh, kids are a little bit older and we could just focus on that part because that'd be really fascinating for me. Oh yeah, absolutely. They would, they would love that. <laughs> yeah, actually, you know what? Yeah, we'll have them on the show and they can kind of talk about how it is to work with a, a boss that's also their mom and dad. <laughs> yes, yeah, that would be a really good show. <laughs> as long as you have the edit motion or edit right. availability, that's right. that'd be good. <laughs> So, you know, you talked about the social media part of all this that, you know, that helps us connect to people at a deeper level. And I know that's so hard nowadays, personally for me, I feel, especially when it comes to mediums like Twitter and maybe lately Facebook, is that there's so much noise out there and so many other people that are advertising and marketing and pushing, right? It's just constantly, like my Twitter feed is just flooded and I've even created lists of people that I want to make sure to see all of their posts, but some of these people post every hour. There's no way that I can see even just thumb through the content that is being thrown at me in a day. How do you compete at that as a uh, small business? And how do you even manage that as a person that's on the receiving end? So I always put a plug for this guy, uh, Jay Bear. Um, He actually lives here in Bloomington, but he's the author of the book Utility. Uh, If you've ever read it, definitely recommend it. But one of the comments that he says about social media is that you're competing against family and friends. And so if you don't have anything that's worth saying – if you're just saying things to just put something out there, personally, I think it's a waste of time. Now, you know, you have to understand as far as a business, you have to understand where your audience is at and why are you on there? So, I mean, I always tell everybody, I use Facebook, for instance, on a personal level to get to know my clients, to get to know them a little more so that when I'm talking to them, I have an idea of what's going on, and I have a, I can talk to them about something other than just business all the time. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, you know, Twitter is becoming more of a platform for customer service. You know, mm-hmm. where people mm-hmm. can reach out to businesses that they have an issue because they don't want to call. 
They don't want to hear that voice recording and have to repeat themselves over and over, right? Mm -hmm. So Twitter is becoming a great platform for that, and you're seeing a lot more businesses use it for that. You know, when it comes to going to kind of jump back into Facebook, Facebook on the business side, you know, the key for for businesses on on Facebook is to create a community. Um, you're right. There's nothing worse than if you're getting blasted with buy, buy, buy from a business all the time. And, you know, what we try to, to what we do, we try to explain is, you know, you're spending about 90% of the time building a community. You know, what's going on in your community? What's going on with your customers? How can you help promote them and, and things that are happening? And then you spend about 10% of the time pr to promote something that you have. Otherwise, no one's – it is. It gets so noisy in that nobody really cares about what you're saying if you're promoting your business all – if you're just trying to sell all the time. But if you're putting good information out there that people want to know about, then they start – then you start to stand out from the rest. So it's a process of you know, becoming a resource that when you do post something that it's relevant to the people that are seeing it, mm -hmm. and then – once you build that trust in them that they know when, you, when you're going to say something um, that it's going to have value to them um, or help them, then when you promote something, you've kind of earned that, their time to look at what you have. So it's a process, um, but it's, it's becoming a resource first before you're trying to promote your business. Yeah, absolutely. And how do you balance that with you're not only just you on Facebook, but you're also your company on Facebook. And so you have to be careful about what you say, because that might not resonate with everybody in your target audience. So how do you walk that thin line? Well, me personally, I never talk politics on Facebook. Yep. I, I never really, I never get in the middle of any kind of conversation where there's conflict. Um, I don't get into religion on Facebook. I stay away from, I stay clear of all of that. And I, you know, because of, for that reason right there, people will get pretty heated up on there. And I don't want that to cross between the two, because the bottom line is there is no bridge between your, your business and your, your personal mm -hmm. there, there's not. So if people know that you're, you know, owner of a business or work somewhere and you're saying stuff on your personal page, they're not going to be like, I mean, I can't speak for everybody, but I can't imagine somebody's going to be like, well, I really don't care for the way they are about that, but you know, I'll still do business. Most people are like, they, they take that. A lot of people take that very serious, you know, and sure. they want they, you know, it's, it's about building that relationship and people want to work with companies that they trust and they, you know, respect and, and, and that aspect. So I think if you're in any if you're remotely working with clients and, you know, have uh, earned sales or anything along those lines, I mean, there's no barrier, and I, I mean, I see it every day, and I always like, ugh. <laughs> I mean, I've seen posts where people have been so fired up at a, at, a, at a post that they find out where they work, and then they list that business on there, and like, don't, don't shop this business because this is what this person says. I mean, it's ugly, you know. Right. And uh, it's definitely. Um, a very, you know, interesting conversation through businesses on how to work around that issue. Well, so let's talk about Facebook a little bit more in depth. You know, I mentioned how it's been a struggle to stay on top of people's news feeds a bit, especially now Facebook is prioritizing live posts and, and video posts. Do you have a particular method that you use? I know you said that you, you know, you're providing value and you want to make sure that you're talking about events that are going on in the community or that are relevant to people that are following you. Do you mainly do that through like text posts or photos or do you do it on a schedule? Or is it just like whenever you have spare time, you just kind of write a couple things in and you post it to your wall or are you involved in like, let's say multiple groups on Facebook and just provide value in those groups? Like, can you break that down a little bit to be a little bit more tactical? Sure. So, I mean, this is where analytics come in to really kind of understand when um, things are more engaging because your audience is, you know, with the analytics within Facebook or if you're setting up kind of uh, any analytics um, outside of that, you can track when you're getting the most um, engagement. 
you know, I if you're you're posting something for business, you should always use an image because an image grabs the attention when you're scrolling through your feed. Mm-hmm. And you know, the internet of things and all the other uh things that you're tracking, you know, Facebook knows you. Facebook knows a lot about you. So, when I'm doing a post for us or, you know, even another business, you know, I would always go into and target my area and target the interest, put the interest. What so it's it's really knowing knowing your your clients. What what are your clients' interests? You know, how do you know that? You well, you get to know them, you know. So right. um so when you're doing that boost, you know, you want to do a boost, you'll put in your photo and you'll put in your area, put those interests in there and then kind of go, you know, create that call to action in that photo. Because what you want to do is, you you know, when you have good content, you want to drive them to your website, right? So, you know, you put that in there and you pull to your website. And then you start looking at those analytics. That are, all right, I've got traffic that's coming in from Facebook. And people are, you know, you start looking at your balance rate on your page. How long are people staying on that page? Are they reading that information? Are they going to other pages on my site? So then you can start looking at the content that you're putting down. How re- you know how relevant is that content to your audience? So you can start. I know I'm throwing a lot out here, but you start tracking all those that information, and uh, so that you can you know start posting on the right days and the right time. You know, like for 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 us, Mondays are horrible because mm-hmm. everybody you know we were everyone's busy. We working with business owners. And, you know, to try to send something on a Monday morning or Monday afternoon is almost a waste of time, you know? So let's talk about Jones Carmel's then as you dive in. Would you start with a location to help narrow down your audience? Or like, how would you even start with that? Because like you said, you ship all over the United States. Well, I would reach, we would reach out to business owners. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as far as through social media, yes, we would target an area like since we're here in Indiana, we would, you know, Bloomington, we would start in, you know, hit a lot of Southern Indiana mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and start that kind of start there, see what kind of analytics we got and then move, you know, to, you know, central Northern Indiana and then move to the surrounding States. So, you know, you kind of just, you kind of got to start small. I mean, unless you've got, and then see a, what converts and then kind of apply that to a larger area. Right, but, so you would convert, and, you know, what's working, unless you've got an astronomical budget, I guess, you know. I mean, that's just the other thing, you know, if you've got thousands of dollars to put for every boost to hit everybody, but, you know, most businesses are going to need to kind of zone in on an area um, that's, you know, feasible. So the reason I'm asking is partly also for myself is because as I've tried to create more publicity for the product startup, I've boosted some posts on Facebook and things like that. And I thought I was being really targeted with my audience because I picked all the demographics with age and income and the people that also have these specific interests like, you know, watch Shark Tank and other things and podcasting. And I still ended up with an audience of and the intersection of all of those, by the way. And so you, you would think that you know, there's just massive Venn diagram that has this like tiny little hole in the middle. But I still ended up with an audience size of about uh, 700 to a million people, 700,000 to a million people. How do you even narrow it down further than that? And I think you answered part of it is that you start locally. I haven't been able to drill down who my target audience person is based on interest yet because we have audience members from all parts of you know, all walks of life with different uh, hobbies and some of them are stay-at-home parents and some are young professionals and it just seems just so hard to kind of narrow that audience down. Yeah, I mean, if you could like zone, like you said, stay-at-home parents as, mm-hmm. as part of your audience. So if you could find, you know, the research, more characteristics about that type of client mm-hmm. and then you could customize that message just for them versus everybody, you know, so, yeah, you know, yeah, it makes your, sense, you know, so you kind of, kind of dissect, if you will, the different types of customers you have, because they're not, all your customers are not the same. And so a lot of times, you know, we'll, we'll group everybody together and it's like, oh, here's our message, but you got to realize that it's not going to trigger everybody. Um, you know, 
I've got some customers that, you know, image A would work better versus image B if I'm trying to reach out on the social media. But, you know, just kind of getting to know kind of what they do, you know, I've got, again, that's where I think the power of getting to know your customers on a personal relationship is really well. I know I've got a couple of customers that are, are runners. Okay. So mm-hmm. if I did a marketing piece, for example, and I can incorporate running into that, well, I'm going to grab their attention a lot faster than I am somebody who could care less about running, even though they may still be with my clients, you know, but it's, again, it's, it's learning, you know, it's kind of getting to know them a little more and doing more, you know, data, you know, learning more about your clients and how you can reach out to those types of, of individuals. So I want to touch on two things that you just said. So one, obviously images perform better for, for different groups. Yeah. And I found it super interesting that one of the images that I was using was, for example, of a person welding and sparks going everywhere. And the female demographic, the women responded like 10 to one times better to that ad than the men. And I wouldn't have known that had I not tested it, but it, and I would have never predicted that you might with all your experience, but to me, that was just, it just floored me. Yeah. You know, look, the market's changing really fast. You know, we're changing our dynamics because everything's moving so quick. And I think mm-hmm. part of being in business is realize, you know, kind of being going out there and doing some trial and error. Don't be afraid to try some things and realize that, you know, sometimes they're not going to work. And sometimes they will work. And so you figure out when they don't work, why? And then when they did, why? And you kind of build off that. There, I mean, there's no no bulletproof system out there in any marketing, um, you know, because people are changing as fast as the marketing is changing. So, right. Absolutely. Um, you know, so like, like your example there, you know, and that's in, you know, you got to try other things because you know what, in next three to six months, you may not have that same result. Right. Yeah. The market has moved on to something different. Right. So, um, you know, that's, I think that's key to just kind of be willing to try things and, you know, be do some try something different while you're out there, especially with social media. Because if everybody sees the same thing over and over again, you know, it starts to become we get blinded by it basically. Yeah, you become numb to it. You know, the second point that you mentioned was segmenting the market. And I know that I haven't done a really good job of that either. It sounds like you're a fan of just taking maybe all of your customers or clients that you've worked with before and try to create avatars for all of them. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, if your audience, unless your audience, unless your tar- your clients are so niched to where you know they all fit this these characteristics, which I hardly ever see that. But you know, yeah, you want to know, you want to you want to dissect it and you want to segment like yeah, exactly because you want your message to relate to them. Um, you know, that even goes into even your if you're doing email marketing, you know, it. It all it all goes to fact uh, goes in play is how can I relate and how can I connect with that person because you got to realize that you know they're go- they're seeing hundreds and thousands of feeds on their social media a day they're seeing hundreds of emails come in their inbox a, a day how are you going to stand out in all that noise and if you don't understand them and you don't know what triggers them you're not going to. So it's, you know, really getting to know them and understand and taking steps to reach out to them. Yeah. And so let's take that a bit further then, you know, you're trying to make these connections with people that don't really know you and, you know, you post something on social media and you you can see by impressions, you know, a couple hundred people saw it, three people left you a comment, right? Because it's like a pretty low conversion on it. Where do you take that? Then you try to have a deeper conversation within Facebook and how do you, how are you not creepy about it, but how do you try to get the, the, your target customer to talk more about themselves so you get to know them better? Because usually people just give these, you know, three word replies or one sentence replies and they run off and post about something else. And unless you're going to stalk their profile, it's, Uh you know, it's, it's really hard to, to have that connection, right? Is because people have these like 30 second attention spans, you know, and I, I say that knowing how I am myself too is just because, like you said, we're flooded. Sure, and you know the thing is that we hang out with similar people, right? I, you know, I could probably introduce you to a slew of entrepreneurs. That's who I, you know, that's a lot of my mm-hmm. friends, right? And I'm sure you have a lot. You're you're probably friends with other podcasters, right? Sure. 
Okay. Knowing that, and that's pretty normal, you know, um, a nurse knows other nurses, right? So yeah, yeah. When you have a product that you're trying to grow on social media or even a service, the best thing you could do is to get your customers to talk about you. You know, so as far as the, you know, growing your audience, um, you know, outside of doing the boosting. But when you get people to start sharing, you know, your existing customers to share what you're saying and talk about you, you know, you're reaching an audience of, you're reaching a new audience there because their friends and family are probably in the same industry that, you know, or, or kind of like we just talked about. Sure. Friends with them. So getting your existing customers to talk about your products and service and sharing it on social media is a great way to grab new clients as well. Um, as far as, you know, the key to the advertising to audiences that you don't know is that you're getting these impressions, right? And you're getting these comments. The question is, are you directing them back to your website or are you just posting something on the, on the page? Right. Well, and so, but you have to balance that, right? Because if you're constantly posting your stuff and not having a conversation, then it sounds like you're shouting at them, right? If, yeah. if you're providing something of value mm -hmm. that they're willing to click and go to your site to read, and then they get that value. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you know, three things that you can do today to start your podcast or three things you can do today to start your social media. You know, let's say we did these articles and then we, we boosted it. And we and we put on we put on there. Hey, you know this is going to be something that can help you right away. And they and then people come to our sites and then they 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 read the information and it's it's true value. It's not a trap to get them to our site to try to sell them anything. It's value that they can use implement right away. So now, you know you're not becoming spammy. You're you're providing value. And then, would you like more information? Would you like to you know see this more? Right. Sign up for our newsletter. And so, you know, it's kind of that process. Um, you want to keep that conversation going. Yeah. You know, it, I don't want you know, it's, it's bad. You know, you don't want to provide great conversation and then that's the end of it. You know, right. And that's done. So if they're going to your site and they're reading what you have, there's there's some sort of connection there. There's some interest there. And, um, you know, that's the key is really the key is driving them back to your site for the value. And then where they can maybe find other resources uh, to, to get to know your, who you are more, who your company is and, and how you can, you know, just keep providing value to them. And if they get stuck or the time comes when they need something, you know, you're ahead of the curve. No, I totally agree with that. We didn't get a chance to go into it, but one of the other social networks that you like is LinkedIn. Now, that's completely different than Facebook in how people interact on it. Can you kind of go into some detail on how you like using it and why you think it's a, a good platform for other small businesses to use? I think it's great because you can, you can reach out to about anybody you want to. Get to know other businesses. You know, I mean, LinkedIn's getting to where it's a little bit, it's getting a little more spammy with, with everybody, you know. But, you know, you could connect with people and... Get to know about, read to you know, shoot out a message to them. It's like, hey, I'd like to get to know a little more about you and your business, and and just build a network. I mean, LinkedIn to me is about building a network and trying to help each other out. Because I mean, I wouldn't be where I'm at today if, if I didn't reach out to other people and and they didn't help me, and then I try to help them back in return, or I try to help just try to help people, you know. And I think LinkedIn's a great way to. Um, start that conversation. You know, if you reach out to somebody and you've had that first interaction with them, you know, the next step for me would be to connect with them on LinkedIn. You know, and it's a great, also another great platform to know when people are changing jobs. Um, right. I mean, there's a lot of things with LinkedIn. I mean, we could we could spend hours on LinkedIn, but I think it's a great starting point to build a larger network. Well, and I've noticed with LinkedIn, too, that people will reach out to you that don't really even know you, as opposed to with Facebook or maybe some of these other mediums. It's That's more creepy if people try to friend you and they don't, you know, maybe you don't know them. Um, so it, it sounds like it's it's basically a tool that, that works better for if you're trying to, I don't want to say cold call, but for leads that aren't as warm. Yeah, I mean, it is, like I said, it's definitely, you know, the it's getting a little more spammy on there. 
Sure. But, you know, the nice thing it does, I mean, it does have that Facebook feature. It shows your shared connections. So the cool thing is if you know who you're trying to, to network with and you can check the shared connections and if you're, you know, really close with someone that you share a connection with, what a great person to reach out to and see if they could, you know, connect the two of you together. Absolutely. So, you know, I think that's a really powerful part of LinkedIn that um, can really help boost a business. You know, again, it's it's getting harder now because everybody's just connecting to everybody. They're like, well, I'm connected, but I really don't know them. You know, so you have a lot of that now. But, you know, you never know either. So, I mean, I, I think that's real powerful. Yeah, I, I can absolutely relate to the last thing you just said because I'm probably connected to – well, I used to be an engineering manager. But even before that, I was probably connected to maybe 100 different recruiters. So, it's yeah, it, it starts to like not lose value a bit because all the, everyone else is connected to the same people too. And there's less of that commonality. But um, share a little bit about what people can do to get more visible on LinkedIn or – maybe any tips on posting because I see people posting more articles now or maybe repurposing some of the articles that they have on their website and putting them into a format for LinkedIn. Yeah. I mean, to get found on LinkedIn, I mean, I feel like LinkedIn's more of a targeted platform. Um, but I mean, I know people will, will do a search as well, but, you know, definitely have your profile complete uh, have a photo, have a photo up there for sure. I mean, there's some, <laughs> it's not a photo, but have a photo up there, have all your information complete links to your websites, uh, way to contact you. And, you know, if you can get any, you know, if you have any, I mean, of course, endorsements will show up as well, but really, and it gives you a gauge on how, how complete your profile is, but just complete it to where it's, you know, close to a hundred percent as possible. Um, that's going to get you the most things. And, and, you know, make sure your bio, you've got some information about your bio and your title and everything like that. That's, those are ways, if you want to be, you know, to get found on LinkedIn, um, you know, I, but I do think it's more of a, people know who they're looking for when they try to connect with them on LinkedIn, I believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I've noticed lately, at least in my industry, so oil and gas has had a big downturn and I noticed that the people that are getting jobs more quickly definitely have a more complete profile but they've also uploaded documents and things and now linkedin is partnered with is it slideshare yeah they own it now and so now people are posting their resumes in full pdf format some examples of the work that they've done have you experimented with anything like that for like small businesses that have products that are selling like have uploading specific things on linkedin no we haven't worked with anybody who's like using it as a selling platform at all mm -hmm. um so yeah, no. I mean, I know a lot. Some businesses will use this. I mean, the SlideShare. The nice thing about SlideShare, it's free now. It's right. Used to be That's paid. True. So since LinkedIn took over, it's free. So I mean, we use that as well. I mean, it's a great tool to, you know, communicate some value. And I, and I know a lot of recruiters are on LinkedIn looking for um, individuals as well. So. You know, I know it's a that's kind of the hot platform on the recruit the uh, headhunting and the recruiting stage. Right. But yeah, we don't really use it for a selling platform. But I know a lot of people will put good value on there because you got to remember, you know, you're kind of dealing with more like I mean, it's more business, more business type uh, business platform. So providing good value is definitely key to stand out in that in that uh, platform. <laughs> So for small business owners, you'd basically just recommend them making sure their profile is up to date and that they're networking actively through LinkedIn. So if you're meeting somebody face to face, you're trying to make that connection on LinkedIn as well um, after the meet or something like that. And then uh, every now and then, is there like a rule where you have to you know, touch or talk or meet people every X amount of time? So you're kind of top of mind. No, I think the the general consensus is like, if you meet somebody, I mean, I get it all the time and I get a LinkedIn request and I don't, I don't, I don't think anything about it. And I don't think, you know, most people probably wouldn't. Um, I think it's a kind of a common thing that once you've met somebody or you're going to meet somebody that you get a LinkedIn request. Um, I think it's great as well, especially if you're, if you're a business and you, you know, connect with someone, you're working with someone in an organization that's not the owner. I mean, it's good to connect with them because if they leave, you know, at least you know where they're going. Right. No, absolutely. And you can kind of trace other people that they know maybe in the new company. They might be an end to the place that you wanted to get into in the first place. Right. Absolutely.
it, it makes it, it makes it a lot easier to know the movement that's happening within companies. Well, so as we get near the end of the show, I always like to ask people what their favorite tips are or tools for people that are looking to kind of use their time or money a little bit better. So are there any books or online tools that you use that help you out? Yeah, my favorite book, uh, one of my favorite books is is by uh, Jeffrey Gittimer. It's uh, The Little Red Book of Sales. And uh, if, if you don't have that in your library, I highly recommend it. And it's it's kind of it's kind of the theory of work hard, and when th- you know things, it, you know when things don't happen, you just you gotta kick your own butt basically, and and keep moving forward and figure out what what happened and and how can you make it better and and you know keep keep going forward. I mean I think that I think that's the hardest thing as an entrepreneur. It's, it's e- sometimes you um, the old theory of uh, Michael Gerber and the E Myth. We we get busy working in our businesses versus on our businesses. And, you know, I catch myself doing that as well now. And then when you do that, you've got to re- refocus and make sure you're working on growing your business and not get wrapped up in all the, you know, the day-to-day things that you can get other people to do. Yeah. And so that's a really good point. And that kind of dovetails in the next question. If you were giving advice to your younger self or a younger brother or sister that's looking to start a product-based business, what would that advice be? How would you help them kind of maintain that focus and so they would, you know, kind of stay the path and, and be successful? This is hard. This, you know, going back to what I started, it's hard to con to, to grasp this, but always understand your value. And what I mean by that is if when you do what whatever it is you do, for example, if you know that when you're you're great at sales and that's what you're doing in your business, you're getting it going, and you're a value of let's say seventy five dollars an hour. When you're out there, you're pounding the pavement, and you're doing your thing. You're averaging bringing in seventy five bucks an hour. Let's just use that for example, okay? Why are you doing? Why are you writing the checks? Why are you doing all these other things that you could hire somebody for twenty dollars an hour or fifteen dollars an hour? Sure. You know, and that's a hard concept, but if you understand the value of your time, then you know what you've got to do. Does that work if you're not fully booked? Like if you're only working seven hours a day, is it still worth to outsource some of that time? What's your hours worth? That's what I, yeah. what I was asked. If you, you know, yeah. I, would, I would ask the person, you know, if I can hire some, you know, if, if I can hire somebody $15 an hour, for example, even part time or or whatever mm-hmm. to do these these office tasks or to do the filing or to you know the list you know when you when you're starting you're doing everything okay right absolutely it, and and it's really hard it, it's really hard because you don't have that revenue coming in so it's like I'm paying out more money than I you know I'm coming in and that's that's the hard part but we I, I think that that was a big turning point for me when I realized. Why am I doing all this when I can – granted, it's going to cost me, but it's costing me more by not doing it. Right. Because I could be focusing on growing my business versus doing these other tasks. Because And this is what I'm good at. I don't want to be writing you – know, I don't want to be doing the bookkeeping. That's not what I do. So I, not only am I undervaluing my time, but I'm doing something I – I mean it's got to be done, but I'm doing something I hate doing. Sure, and and it makes me not happy, and it carries over. You know what I'm saying? So, is there a particular revenue point where you would say, you know what, um, it, it's worth hiring somebody now, or we're on a shoestring budget? How how do you transition from that? That's really hard to go from now we cannot spend money to now we should be spending money. Do small do it in small increments. I mean, you can work with temp agencies, and you could hire somebody for three hours a week. Sure. Okay. Take, try that three hours and see, you know, and watch how that works. I mean, and that, that was my, my first thought and why it took me so long was like, oh, my gosh, I got to hire somebody 40 hours a week. There's no way that I can afford that. Yep. You know, and, and that was my mindset for a long time. And, so, and, I, and, and I, I took this course um, in, uh, through a training thing, and they're like, what are you talking about? Just 
start with small, some small, you don't, you know, take this in baby steps where it's not breaking the bank, but you're allocating um, that those tasks and you'll find out that you'll start working around that to like, all right, our checks are cut on this day, you know, because that's when I got mm-hmm. someone coming in the office or this is when we do the books and things like that. And you'll realize that, oh, wow, this is making my life a lot easier. It makes you happier what you're doing. And you're doing what you you're doing, whatever it is you do that generates the income. Very good tips, Matt. So if people want to find out more about you or they wanted to get some caramels to, you know, send caramels to their clients, where would they be able to find you? Best way is to email me. And my email is Matt, M-A-T-T, at Triple R Marketing. And I spell it out. It's T-R-I-P-L-E-R Marketing.com. I'm on LinkedIn, Facebook. Twitter, I'm out there everywhere. So uh, just find me, shoot me a connection, and I'll be happy to to reach back out. Perfect. Thanks again, Matt, for coming on the show. You're an awesome guest. Uh, thanks for sharing all your wisdom with us. And I wish you all the success with all of your companies. <laughs> Thank you. I really appreciate that very much. I was happy to be here and wish you the best. And that's all I've got for today. Thanks for listening, everybody. I put all the links that we've covered under the show notes posted on theproductstartup.com. Join me next time as I speak with Megan Cox with Amelie Beauty. We talk about the Wink brand lash and brow oil, and she created it by experimenting on herself to solve her problem of diminishing eyelashes. So she created a formulation and started mass manufacturing it. Her journey started at her dorm room in MIT and has taken her across the world to China and back. So make sure you check out that episode next week. Thanks again for sharing the podcast with your friends and other people that are interested in the topic. It's seriously much appreciated. And I definitely welcome your feedback with comments, emails, iTunes reviews, however you want to get it to me. I love to talk to you and improve the show so we both get more out of it. Thanks again for listening this week, and I'll talk to you again next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Product Startup Podcast with your host, Philip Valitza. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit theproductstartup.com. Your guide to getting there. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Product Startup Podcast, the show that teaches you what it really takes to bring your product to market and turn it into a big success. This podcast series is brought to you by Mako Design and Invent, the first firm in North America to provide global caliber end-to-end physical consumer product development to startups, inventors, and small product businesses. If you're looking for product development help on your invention, head over to makodesign.com. That's M-A-K-O design.com for a free consultation from one of Mako Design's four design studios from coast to coast. Thanks for listening and see you next time.